Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Tonight, the monster winter storm marching across the country. Heavy snow and freezing rain slamming the central U.S. Parts of New Mexico buried under 20 inches of snow. Roads shut down and thousands of flights canceled. Kentucky and Missouri now calling in the National Guard. The storm expected to bring several rounds of winter weather to the area before heading east. Al Roker is here with the timing and the track. Show of force, President Biden sending thousands of U.S. troops to Eastern Europe as Russia continues its military buildup around Ukraine. The strong reaction tonight from the Kremlin. Plus, NBC's rare access along Ukraine's northern border, where Russian troops are waiting on the other side in Belarus. Also tonight, former Dolphins coach Brian Flores suing the NFL and several teams, accusing them of racism. What he told our Gabe Gutierrez about his explosive allegations, including his claim one team owner offered to pay him $100,000 per game to lose. The deadly flooding overseas, shocking video showing a person trapped in mud as a landslide swept through Ecuador's capital city. The race now to find survivors under mounds of debris. Tesla's self-driving recall, the company pulling tens of thousands of cars off the street over concerns with a feature in its autopilot mode. But some people testing the technology suggest the problems could go far beyond just that one feature. And countdown to the Olympics, a scaled-back torch relay kicking off the Winter Games. But COVID has made its way into the competition, including the U.S. flag bearer, who will have to sit out of the opening ceremony. Top story starts right now. Good evening, I'm Kate Snow in for Tom Yamas. Tonight we begin top story with that monster winter storm. More than 100 million Americans under alert from New Mexico to Maine at this hour. Heavy snow and sleet slamming the plains and the Midwest. Up to 10 inches of snow already falling in some of Chicago's suburbs and more is on the way. Snowy and slick roads in northwest Texas causing this rollover crash. Officials there also warning freezing temperatures could impact the power grid once again. The winter weather is far from over, so let's get right to Shaquille Brewster, who leads us off from Detroit. Tonight, a mess of heavy snow, ice, and rain stretching from the Rockies to the northeast. The dangerous wintry mix pounding roadways, snarling traffic, and causing blizzard conditions. You're cold all the time, you're wet. It's just not fun. Parts of New Mexico already buried under 20 inches of snow. More than a foot has fallen in Colorado and Illinois. Wet, heavy snow. This is wet, heavy stuff? Yes. Are you ready for it? No. In Peoria, a major highway nearly impassable. State police jumping in to help stranded drivers. Missouri's governor activating the National Guard and joining others declaring a state of emergency. Americans across 26 states feeling the impact, including Texas, where last February's freeze led to a power grid failure. More than 200 people died. The state now bracing for days of sub-freezing temperatures. NBC's Morgan Chesky is in Dallas. This will be the Texas power grid's biggest test since last year's storm left millions of people without any electricity. But on streets like this one that went dark for days, the governor says there's still no guarantee there won't be outages, even though the state claims 99% of power generators are ready to go. There could be either ice on power lines that would cause a power line to go down, or it could be ice on trees. The massive system moving east, where this morning Punxsutawney Phil saw his shadow. Six more weeks of winter. Predicting a longer winter with more snow. I don't know if I can take six more weeks of this. Shaquille Brewster joins me now from Detroit. So, Shaq, <laughs> where you are, it's been snowing since this morning. What does travel look like, uh, not only for driving, but for flying right now? Well, those travel delays are piling up, not just on the road, but also in the air. You see the snow around me and you get a sense of why. Today alone, you had more than 5,000 flights either delayed or canceled. And this misery is going to extend into tomorrow. We know that there are already more than 3,000 cancellations announced 
for tomorrow. Kate? Shaq, thanks so much. And this is just round one for many cities with this system expected to bring more snow to the area. We want to bring in Al Roker with what's to come over the next few days. It's going to be a tough one, Kate. As we take a look, you can see we've got 105 million of us under some sort of winter weather advisory, watch, warning, or ice uh, warning. And you can already see we've got a frozen precip down through Texas. And again, we remember February of last year, and they had all those problems. They expect getting close to those same loads for their electrical system. Snow making its way up through Chicago. It's just about ending there, but still going on in Detroit, close to Cleveland. Now, let's look at what this system does as it moves through by Thursday. Significant icing from Texas to New York. A band of heavy snow from Missouri all the way up into Maine. Friday, the slick commutes continue for Washington to Boston. We're looking at showers and storms soaking the southeast on Friday on into Saturday. Now, snowfall amounts as you get back into Texas. But look at Dallas. One to three inches. Oklahoma City, two to four. St. Louis up to 13, Columbus 6 to 10, and as we move along the system, you'll see the heavier snow really starts piling up. Burlington almost a foot, same for Bangor. Buffalo, Cleveland maybe 10, Binghamton 3 to 6, and we're talking about airport delays from Boston, Burlington, all the way to Cleveland on the roads, I-95 from Bangor to Providence, Boston to Cleveland on I-90. As we slide back in, you'll see those airport delays and road delays, Chicago to Louisville, St. Louis to Columbus on I-70. Airport problems for Cincinnati, Chicago, and St. Louis. And then the icing is going to be a major impact event stretching from central Texas all the way up into the northeast. Case we're Kate, we're talking a tenth of an inch to a half an inch, and that's when we get serious problems. It is a mess, Al. Thank you. Heading overseas now to the mounting tensions in Ukraine. The Pentagon announcing today that 3,000 U.S. troops will be deployed to Eastern Europe to help defend U.S. allies. The Kremlin calling the move destructive as Russian President Vladimir Putin insists he is not planning to invade Ukraine. NBC News Chief White House Correspondent Kristen Welker reports. Tonight, in a show of force, President Biden deploying 3,000 U.S. troops to Eastern Europe with fears escalating Russia could invade Ukraine. The Pentagon saying 1,000 soldiers based in Germany will be deployed to Romania and 2,000 troops from Fort Bragg in North Carolina will go to Poland and Germany. 8,500 U.S. troops had already been placed on high alert, with over 100,000 Russian troops amassed along the Ukrainian border. New satellite imagery tonight appearing to show those forces growing. We do not know if Russia has made a final decision to further invade Ukraine. But it clearly has that capability. The president has ruled out a combat deployment to Ukraine late today, saying Putin's actions prompted his move. As long as he's acting aggressively, we're going to make sure we reassure our NATO allies in Eastern Europe that we're there. Today, the Kremlin calling the troop deployments unfounded and destructive. It comes one day after a defiant Vladimir Putin said the U.S. has failed to meet his security demands, including that Ukraine be barred from joining NATO. But he also insisted he does not plan to invade Ukraine and is open to more diplomatic talks. Meanwhile, NBC's Aaron McLaughlin getting a rare look along Ukraine's border with Belarus tonight. Over that way is Belarus, where there are thousands of Russian troops with only a handful of Ukrainian border patrol standing guard on this side. And getting mixed reaction from people there. Are you worried about war? No, this store owner says. Are you afraid? Everyone is worried. Anything can happen with Russians, he says. And Kristen Welker joins us now from the White House. Kristen, it seems like all sides are insisting there is a path for diplomacy tonight. They are, Kate. That's exactly right. In fact, President Biden is expected to talk to the French president tonight. Meanwhile, the Pentagon saying these U.S. troop moves are temporary and they will still be under American command. Kate. Kristen Welker, thank you for insight and analysis on this U.S. deployment. I want to bring in former NATO Supreme Allied Commander and NBC News Chief International Security and Diplomacy Analyst, Admiral James Stavridis, is with us. Good to see you. When you look at the units that are being sent and where they're heading as a former commander, what does it tell you? Um, that the administration is trying to accomplish two things here, Kate. First, they want to increase U.S. combat power on the ground. And the units that are going are uh, highly experienced in Afghanistan, Iraq. They're from the legendary 18th Airborne Corps. And they are going to push forward 
through the European theater. Um, so first is increase in combat power. Second, perhaps more importantly, is reassurance to our allies. That's why these units are going to go to Poland and Romania moving forward to demonstrate real U.S. resolve in the face of Russian aggression against Ukraine. Is there any danger on the flip side, though, with a redeployment could, could maybe be used by Russia as a pretext for invasion? You know, my view there is life is compared to what? And compared to 130,000 troops on the border, this deployment of 3,000 troops, 3%, uh, is hardly grounds for further provocation by Vladimir Putin. He wins the provocation battle. I'm not worried about him using this to launch a war. President Putin set to meet with China's president on Friday morning ahead of the opening ceremony for the big Winter Olympics. Do you think we'll see maybe a pause in escalation during these Olympic Games? I certainly hope so, and that's my hunch. Uh, let's face it, President Xi is heavily invested in these games. He wants it to go smoothly. The last thing in the world he wants is a lot of controversy. Think about the Australian Open and all the distractions of Novak Djokovic. President Xi does not want that. He'll be telling his friend Vladimir Putin, cool your jets till after the Olympics. That's my guess, Kate. James Stavridis, thanks so much. Tonight, the NFL is on defense after an explosive lawsuit. Former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores accusing the league and several of its teams of discriminatory hiring practices. Gabe Gutierrez sat down with him today. Is the NFL racist? I think the numbers speak for themselves. There's one black head coach. Until just weeks ago, Brian Flores was the second. But the Miami Dolphins fired him after back-to-back -back winning seasons. Flores and his attorneys have now filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL and several teams alleging discrimination against black coaches. There needs to be a change. Flores says the New York Giants only interviewed him as a sham to comply with the Rooney Rule, an NFL requirement that minority candidates be considered for head coaching jobs. Well, the Rooney Rule doesn't work. That's the problem. The suit says the team had already decided to hire Brian Dable, a coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, who had no head coaching experience. It includes screenshots of texts allegedly sent to Flores by Patriots head coach Bill Belichick mistakenly, days before Flores even interviewed, congratulating him on getting the Giants' job. Flores then asked, Coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable, just making sure? Belichick replied with an expletive, sorry, I blanked this up. When you realized that he meant to send that text message to someone else, what went through your head? Uh, I was humiliated. The Giants are defending their hiring practices, writing in part, Brian Flores was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt was most qualified. Flores also alleges Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered to pay him $100,000 per loss in 2019 to improve the team's draft position. That's it's disrespect to the game. The Dolphins deny any racial discrimination and write that the implication that we acted in a manner inconsistent with the integrity of the game is incorrect. Flores now knows he's risking his career. If we can make changes to this this system, this and give more opportunities to, to black and minority coaches, real opportunities, um, I think it'll be worth it. And Gabe Uteras is with me now. Any more reaction from the teams or the individuals named in the suit? Well, Kate, the NFL has just said that Flores' claims are without merit and that it will defend themselves against this lawsuit. Meanwhile, Bill Belichick has not returned our calls for comment. But we did hear from the attorneys that we just spoke with today, and they say that several players and coaches have already inquired about potentially joining this class action lawsuit. On, this, on his side? Yes. Yeah. Gabe, thank you so much. Appreciate it. For more on what this lawsuit means for the NFL, the future of the sport, we want to bring in sports columnist Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe. Gary, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. So, Great to be here. I mean, Gabe just laid it out. This is a monumental filing. There are a lot of allegations in there, a lot of negative stuff. Can you put what Flores has done here in context for our viewers? Why do you think he is you know, doing this and taking on the league? This is unprecedented. Um, there have been very few people to sue uh, professional sports leagues. Uh, Kurt Flood in the 1960s sued baseball, and Spencer Haywood in the 1970s sued the NBA for the right to enter the draft. This has not happened pretty much since then. 
Uh, and this basically calls the NFL out for its racist practices because there's many around cir coaching circles who believe that the NFL does discriminate against coaches of color. So this is unprecedented. And now, not only Flores making these accusations, he has proof. He has text messages. He has uh, the apparent offer for $100,000 from owner Stephen Ross to tank to get a better draft pick. And he has people to cooperate with those stories. So this is there's something to this. This is not just accusations. He has proof. Um, there's some meat on this bone. So in terms of what it means for the NFL, for the league, there are five head coaching jobs, I'm told, that are open right now. Do you think it'll move the needle at all in a meaningful way now as we sit here in terms of interviewing coaches of color and supporting them? I don't think so, because every offseason there is this premise that, OK, this is going to be the offseason that more African-American coaches are hired, and it just doesn't happen. And the first four positions that were open, there were nine positions open total, the first four were hired, white male hires. So it's the same thing. You have qualified candidates, Eric Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich, uh, Leslie Frazier, uh, Todd Bowles, who have experience, either previous coaching experience or seem prepared for their first job, who aren't even getting looks or getting the obligatory interview because of the Rooney rule. And, and a lot of coaches believe that that's the only reason they're being brought in is to check that box. And, and just explain that for people who don't understand the Rooney rule. Um, it's a rule that mandates that teams have to uh, interview in person a minority candidate for uh, coaching positions. And teams have followed that. They have followed suit. They have brought uh, African-American and other candidates of color in for interviews. They just haven't hired them. So, and I just think there's comes to a point where coaches are, are thinking, okay, the only reason I'm, I'm here, and that was Coach Flores with the New York Giants, is to check a box, is to just make the Giants are trying to make sure that they hire sorry before they hire Brian Dayball they interviewed a black candidate so they can say see we're good um we you know we we interviewed our black guy so coaches are on to this and now uh the NFL is has to look at itself in the mirror and figure out what to do and what's its next move because it seems like Flores has real proof here. That's what I wonder though, because Gabe just mentioned that the lawyers are already hearing from other coaches and former players who are calling and saying, I might want to join in this suit. I've had similar experiences. Is it possible that that could make a difference? Very much so, because the, basically I think coaches have felt, many coaches have felt this way for years, but they want to coach in the NFL. They know if they made a move like Flores just did, Flores is risking his career. He is risking yeah. any chance to coach in the NFL again. Now, he might be able to go to a coach in college or another level, but the chances of him getting an NFL job, and remember, he's still up for two other jobs, um, in, you know, one in Houston and I believe New Orleans, he may never coach again because he could be blackballed. And I think a lot of uh, previous coaches who have understood this system and been the victims of this system knew, well, if I go public with this, I'm going to lose income. I'll never coach in the NFL again. So they were afraid to. But now I think once now Ford's a step to the forefront, there's going to be other coaches that follow him and go, hey, the same thing happened to me. I've got to ask you about that other shocking allegation in the lawsuit. You mentioned it. The, the owner, Stephen Ross, allegedly offering, of the Miami Dolphins, allegedly offering to pay Brian Flores if he lost games on purpose so the team could improve its draft position. The Dolphins responded with this quote. They said, quote, the implication that we acted in a manner inconsistent with the integrity of the game is incorrect. That's not exactly a direct denial. How big a problem is this for the NFL and the Dolphins uh, if that allegation is real? Yeah, it's a major problem. You're offering your own coach to lose games for the team that you own. Fans pay tickets. Miami Dolphins fans pay tickets to see their players play their best and try to win every game. The fact that the owner is offering 100000 to his coach to lose, whether it be by one point or 20 points, to improve draft position and a kind of a uh, under-the-table deal is something that could cost him his team. I mean, that is a major accusation considering every NFL team is supposed to attempt to win. Your, your fans are paying high prices for tickets, parking, concessions, et cetera. Miami Dolphins fans are paying to see the Dolphins win. They're not paying to see them tank or give up games to get a better draft pick for five years from now. Um, so that's a major accusation, probably the biggest one. The, the accusation with the text messages from Bill Belichick is major. 
This one is just as big considering there was money offered to this coach to lose games. Gary Washburn with the Boston Globe. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's switch gears now. At a Virginia college tonight, students and staff in mourning after two campus officers were fatally shot during an active shooter situation. The suspect is now in custody as investigators piece together what happened. Here's Katie Beck. Tonight, a Virginia college campus reeling after two officers were shot and killed. The first 911 calls coming at 1.20 p.m. on Tuesday. A suspicious male spotted at Bridgewater College. Floyd Hall, Floyd Anthony, East College Street. Five shots fired. Two subjects down on the ground. Two security officers have been shot. One possible priority for... Video shows a swarm of police taking down Alexander Wyatt Campbell after police say he shot and killed the two officers. The campus had gone on extended lockdown during the manhunt. They went through the water. It's, it's only about knee deep and it's very shallow. So they actually, all those, I think there's an image floating around of him on the island with several law enforcement. They responded, went through the water and took him into custody without further incident. The two slain officers, 48-year-old campus safety officer Vashon J.J. Jefferson and 55-year-old campus police officer John E. Painter, known affectionately as the dynamic duo. Painter was Jefferson's best man at his wedding this year. Words will never be enough to express our sadness and our grief. The 27-year-old suspect arraigned on five felony charges today, two of them for capital murder. He did not make a plea in court. His attorney requested he undergo a mental health screening. Students gathering to pay tribute and unite after the tragedy. Grateful for the two officers and their sacrifice. Another college campus scarred by violence. Everybody cares about people, everybody here. We're, we're a small little campus of like 1,800 people. Everybody knows each other. We're all basically family here. So I just can't wrap my head around why some would want to do this here. Campbell was a student at Bridgewater from 2013 to 2017. Police say the motive remains unknown. Katie Beck, NBC News, Virginia. An update tonight. The FBI has identified six persons of interest in a series of threats to historically black colleges and universities. Federal officials say the six minors from around the country are tech savvy and have used sophisticated methods to try to disguise themselves. More than a dozen schools received bomb threats yesterday, the first day of Black History Month that happened. The FBI says the threats appear to be racially motivated. Let's turn to news on the economy, and it's not good. After more than a year of adding millions of jobs. Companies cut more than 300,000 jobs in January, according to payroll company ADP. The Omicron variant hitting the labor force hard. Companies also being hit by a one-two punch of record inflation and a supply chain crunch. These issues having a dire impact. NBC News' Dasha Burns now profiling one organization dealing with the most vulnerable. This homeless shelter was supposed to open its doors last month. The problem is it still doesn't have front doors to open. We ordered this door about four months ago. But it's still not up. That's correct. Finally, the door gets here four months, and we don't have it up because we don't even have the hardware for it now. And I assume the door costs more than you expected, too. Oh, yes. The door actually went up about three to $4,000 more. Three to $4,000 more? Yes. Justin Behrens is the director of Keystone Mission here in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, a nonprofit focused on helping the homeless. They've been trying to build this transformational living shelter for months. More than a temporary one-night stop, this project is a 15-year dream in the making. The room specifically they're in right now is going to be a location where the homeless can come into, um, be able to watch TV, get downtime, relax. The, the baseboard and the window trim. And then the doorknobs. And the doorknobs. But the nation's ongoing supply chain crisis putting that dream almost out of reach. Inflation last month up 7% from the year before, a 40-year high. But certain goods even worse. The price of lumber has been volatile down in the last few weeks, but still more than double pre-pandemic levels. Any sort of building or construction becomes painful. We started this project about eight months ago. Uh, we were hoping to get this done in four months, five months. It almost doubled my budget of what I was looking at in this project. Eight months is a long time to wait for a community in need. Keystone Mission says it's seen a 20% rise in demand for its services in the last year, thanks in part to rising prices. 
Jerry Costello used to be homeless and now volunteers for Keystone Mission. I'm struggling. I only collected disability. And it's hard for me to get to the stores. I don't got no car. And I see these people out here and they're struggling. These homeless are struggling really bad. This is going downstairs to the kitchen. Justin right. had hoped to have this place ready before the frigid winter months. <laughs> now the heat is on his team as the cold weather blasts the region. But the challenges are unprecedented, according to contractor George Durr. Have you ever run into the kinds of obstacles you're running into right Never. now? Never. It's, it's never been this bad. We're not talking just 1%. We're talking 10, 15%. Until these issues get resolved, those most in need will have to go without. How difficult is it to look around here? It hurts. I don't even have drywall up on the walls. I don't even have the floor done. I don't have, you know, the door to the exit. I don't have the kitchen in here. The ones that don't have anything, they're suffering the most. And Dasha joins me now from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, inside that homeless shelter that we were just seeing, having so much trouble finishing construction. I know you've been talking to the organization Keystone Mission about how inflation is impacting donations. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, Kate, this room I'm in was supposed to be a place where people's lives were being transformed by now. Instead, you can see it's nowhere near finished. And look, Justin was telling me that normally a project like this, they would see donations rolling in. Local companies would be donating supplies, charities and individuals would be sending donations. But right now, companies can't even stock their own shelves, let alone donate. And individuals are getting squeezed, so they have left to give. And you're seeing this effect across the board and it trickles down to impact those most vulnerable, Kate. Yeah, hopefully the attention maybe helps them out a bit. Dasha, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Still ahead tonight, overdose arrests. Four people now charged in connection to the death of Wire star Michael K. Williams and the newly released images appearing to show him buying fentanyl-laced heroin in broad daylight. Plus, fire rescue, the moment a woman jumped out of a burning building with a sheriff deputy right there to break her fall. And the Massive Tesla recall, why the company's pulling ton tens of thousands of self-driving cars off the streets. Stay with us. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Back now with electric car manufacturer Tesla recalling more than 50,000 vehicles over safety concerns. The company under fire for the rolling stop feature in its autopilot mode. Tonight, the new reports emerging. That feature may not be the only problem with its self-driving features. Priscilla Thompson has more. Tonight, Tesla recalling tens of thousands of cars for safety issues. U.S. regulators posting that the electric car maker's rolling stop function in full self-driving mode may cause cars to run stop signs at up to 5.6 miles per hour. 
The recall in effect for more than 50,000 cars and SUVs made since 2016. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the rolling stop function will be disabled via a free software update this month. Tesla did not respond to NBC's request for comment, but Elon Musk took to Twitter to defend the feature, writing, there were no safety issues. The car simply slowed to about two miles per hour and continued forward if clear view with no cars or pedestrians. But it's not the only Tesla feature in the spotlight. At least one driver who's beta testing the full self-driving mode, not yet available to everyone, says that consumer testing is also a problem. With the full self-driving, testing this on public roads, I don't think that that should be happening um, the way that they're going about it. <laughs> Obviously, I had to take over. Taylor Ogan posted this now viral video showing his drive through a neighborhood in Boston. During the one-minute clip, the Tesla veers into the wrong lane of traffic. Oh, no. Look at that. And almost hits a delivery van. What is it doing? Oh, my God. Do you feel like Tesla needs to do something differently? Tesla historically and notoriously pushes the envelope. I don't know how much longer regulators will put up with it. It all comes less than a week after Elon Musk said in Tesla's quarterly earnings call that self-driving robo-taxis were part of a, quote, roadmap to potentially justify the company's sky-high valuation. The company reported nearly $54 billion of sales in 2021, its stock more than quadrupling its pre-pandemic high. The company's market cap now bigger than the world's next eight largest automakers combined. I own Tesla stock. I have forever. Um, and I will continue to own it. Overall, Tesla's a fantastic company that is enabling more miles driven autonomously than most any other company out there. It's just, I disagree with them on this approach. This isn't the first time the tech giant has faced scrutiny over safety. Overall, Tesla's received superb safety ratings from independent testers. But like other automakers, that doesn't make it immune to recalls. A month ago, Tesla recalled nearly half a million cars for rearview camera and trunk issues that regulators found could increase the risk of crashes. With regard to the recall, Elon Musk tweeted and said that there are no safety issues. What do you make of that? I don't know what Elon is driving. There are driving head on into other cars, into oncoming traffic. It seems to me to be a, a safety issue. So maybe it's just a different perception of what's safe and what's not. Priscilla Thompson is with me here in the studio. Wow. So it's not just the safety issue, right? There's also new precedent that maybe people get in trouble legally if they're involved in something, if they were using that autopilot feature. Well, that's right, Kate. In 2019, there was a Tesla on autopilot that crashed into another car, killing the two people inside. And the driver of that Tesla has just been charged with vehicle, vehicular manslaughter last month. And Tesla in court filing said that their cars meet or exceed industry standards. Uh, but important for drivers to remember, even when they are using these automated modes, to ensure that they are reacting and staying alert. And that's coming from Tesla and regulators. Yeah, looking out the window and, and the windshield. Priscilla, thank you so much. Appreciate it. When we come back, that dangerous fire in North Carolina, the fire still burning at a plant housing tons of chemicals. What officials are now saying about the threat of an explosion and the shocking resignation from the president of CNN as he reveals a relationship with a close colleague, the major Shakeup at the network coming up. Now to Top Stories News Feed, and we begin with the desperate search for a newborn baby in Tennessee. A statewide Amber Alert is in effect for two-day-old Kennedy Hoyle. Authorities say her mother was found fatally shot last night in Memphis. The child was last seen with her mother early Tuesday. Police say at least one man is detained, but they did not provide further details. An update tonight on that fire burning at a fertilizer plant in North Carolina. Officials in Winston-Salem say there is still the threat of an explosion and they've extended evacuation orders for thousands of people within a one-mile radius of that plant. The fire has been burning since Monday at the plant that holds 600 tons of ammonium nitrate. Today, officials confirming all workers have been accounted for but said that putting out the fire is going to be a slow process. Three sheriff's deputies in Illinois are credited with saving two people from a burning home. Body camera footage shows officers attempting to rescue two residents trapped on the second floor 
floor of a building in Montgomery. The deputies then tell one woman to jump, and a deputy breaks her fall. Another person and a dog also leapt to safety. Everyone is expected to be okay. Four people have been arrested in connection to the overdose death of Wire actor Michael K. Williams. Prosecutors releasing surveillance images allegedly showing at least one of the men selling Williams drugs on a New York City sidewalk in broad daylight. The men are accused of being part of a drug trafficking ring that sold the fentanyl-laced heroin to the actor ahead of his death back in September. And Whoopi Goldberg has been suspended from The View following her comments about the Holocaust. ABC News president Kim Goodwin announcing a two-week suspension after Goldberg said the Holocaust was, quote, not about race during Monday's episode. She has since apologized, Goodwin calling the remarks, quote, wrong and hurtful. Turning now to news rocking the media world, one of the biggest names in TV news and entertainment, CNN Worldwide President Jeff Zucker, resigning effective immediately. NBC News correspondent Emily Ikeda has the details. We have news now to report involving our network. A stunning shakeup at CNN. I don't think anybody uh, saw this coming this morning, an announcement like this. CNN president and chairman of Warner Media's News and Sports, Jeff Zucker, is out, resigning immediately for failing to report a relationship with a top-ranking colleague. Zucker writing in a memo to his staff, I was required to disclose it when it began, but I didn't. I was wrong. The 56-year-old called the relationship consensual and with his closest colleague. Gullis, the top marketing executive for CNN, she's remaining with the company. In a statement, CNN Executive Vice President Allison Gullis confirmed the relationship, saying it changed during COVID. I regret that we didn't disclose it at the right time. That relationship surfaced as part of CNN's investigation into its former primetime anchor, Chris Cuomo. Just two months ago, Zucker fired Cuomo for advising his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, on sexual misconduct allegations. Part of this was that a lot of people thought that Jeff Zucker shouldn't have stood by Chris, Chris Cuomo as long as he did and should have fired him much earlier than he did. Zucker and Gullis both rose through the ranks at NBC Universal. She worked in communications. He became the company's CEO. Gullis then spent four months as Governor Cuomo's communications director. But when Zucker moved to CNN in 2013, she soon followed. The abrupt end to Zucker's nine years running CNN comes at a pivotal time. The network preparing to launch its own streaming service as its parent company is in the middle of one of the nation's largest media mergers. Just how earth-shaking is this for the company at this time? It is stunning. This is not a time that anybody would have expected an announcement like this. And now the leadership, the person who has been at the helm since 2013, is gone at a particularly fraught time for the company. Tonight, CNN naming three executives as interim co-heads as the network feels the fallout. Emily Aketa joins us now. And Emily, there had been talk that perhaps Jeff Zucker would leave like a year ago. Yeah, that's right. This time last year, CNN reported that Zucker may have been close to an exit, but still utter shock across the network today. Zucker acknowledging in his note to his colleagues that he wished his tenure ended differently. All right, Emily, thank you. Now to Top Stories Global Watch, and we begin with a deadly power cable collapse in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Officials say the high-voltage cable snapped, falling onto houses and electrocuting people at a market. More than two dozen people were killed. The country's national electric company says they believe a lightning strike caused that cable to break. Disaster hit Tonga, now entering lockdown. After recording its first local COVID-19 cases, two workers tested positive for the virus while handling international aid following that volcanic eruption and tsunami that happened there. Three more of their family members also became infected. The island nation had managed to stay COVID-free by closing its borders back in March of 2020. Officials in Canada are denouncing a blockade by truckers at the country's border with the U.S. The group of truckers who are protesting vaccine mandates have been blocking a border crossing in southern Alberta since Saturday. It has caused traffic jams and disrupted a flow of goods and services. Officials say the protesters have also assaulted mounted police officers there. Let's turn now to families separated at the U.S. border during the Trump administration, today marking one year since President Biden launched a task force to reunify those families. Tonight, our exclusive interviews with the Homeland Security Secretary and the head of that task force telling us the administration is 100 percent supportive of letting all those families stay here in the U.S., but many are still separated. Jacob Soboroff reports tonight from Los Angeles. 
One year after President Biden established a task force to reunite families separated at the border by the Trump administration. Uh, we're going to work to undo the moral and national shame. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas tells NBC News exclusively the White House supports letting those families stay in the U.S. for good. You've said you want these families to be able to stay here permanently. What's the holdup? Is, is the White House supportive of this as well? The White House is 100 percent supportive of it, as am I, and we continue to advocate vigorously for it. That requires legislation. Welcome news for the more than 5,500 families separated at the border as part of the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy and a pilot program that preceded it. Still unanswered whether the separations called torture by physicians for human rights and government-sanctioned child abuse by the American Academy of Pediatrics will result in financial compensation for the victims. The Biden administration considering payments to families who were separated under President Trump's zero-tolerance policy. The administration backed out of those negotiations after details of a proposed monetary settlement leaked. Also an open question, whether there will be accountability for the Trump administration. Secretary Mayorkas saying the issues are outside of his purview. Will anyone ever be held accountable for what happened? Jacob, I'm going to defer to the Department of Justice to work on the accountability uh, regime and determine uh, what uh, that means. That is within their province. DHS says as many as 1,200 families may remain separated as searches continue to find them. We embedded with one group looking last year. This flyer right here. At this restaurant could be the way they find one, if not more, of the separated families. More than 130 families have been reunited by the Biden administration. <laughs> and around 400 more are in progress. The task force executive director, Michelle Brunet, encouraging Americans to continue to support their efforts. If people could go back and remember that outrage, I mean, we tore families away from their parents, right, tore them apart. Children were pulled out of their parents' arms. Tonight, the ongoing effort to make families deliberately separated by the Trump administration whole again, continuing with no end in sight. The Biden administration asked for public input on how to make sure that wide-scale family separations never happen again. It received over 21,000 comments online, and one of them was from one of their NGO partners they're working with to reunify families. That group is called Al Otro Lado, and their suggestion was quite simple. They said, don't do it. Kate, Jacob. back to you. Jacob Sobaroff. Jacob, thank you so much. We turn now to the Americas, a look at stories coming out of the U.S. and across Latin America. Tonight, a devastating scene in Ecuador where a massive landslide killed dozens in the capital city of Quito. Tons of debris and mud now blanketing entire neighborhoods, many still missing as the search for survivors continues. Here's NBC's Jesse Kirsch. Tonight in Ecuador, residents still in shock after a landslide ripped through the country's capital on Monday. Streets filled with rushing water and mud, sending massive debris downstream. Onlookers watching as someone was caught in the current, miraculously rolling out of the way just before dumpsters come barreling from behind. First responders rushing others to safety. This car forced into a building, others gutted and flipped, with parts of the capital city, Quito, in ruins. Quito officials reporting at least 25 dead and six missing, with dozens more injured. A country now in mourning. The capital's mayor says the levees overflowed. Vino una sobresaturación del suelo en las laderas, lo cual genera un deslizamiento de las laderas. Rescuers climbing through almost knee-high debris, searching day and night. 
Survivors were calling the horror as others grieve. The destruction brought on by massive storms in an area reportedly hit by similar tragedy 50 years ago. Now, as the scope of devastation sets in, a race against the clock to find the missing. Man, those pictures, Jesse, just awful. So you said they're racing against the clock. They're, they're rushing as fast as they can. Any sense for how long it's going to take to find survivors? Yeah, Kate, you look at those images, clearly immense devastation. We don't have word on a timeline at this point. Officials say one of their priorities for now is simply just clearing the road so that that cleanup can continue. They're also asking for donations because looking at those images, mm -hmm. Kate, you can see the need for help there is clearly great. Yeah, they're going to need a lot. Jesse, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Coming up, countdown to the Olympics, the opening ceremony just days away, but COVID yet again sidelining some Team USA stars. The details up next. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. We're back now and only two days away from the Olympics opening ceremonies in Beijing. Today, the torch relay officially got underway, but due to COVID, the journey is going to be a lot shorter this year. Stephanie Gosk is in Beijing with more. At an event the public could not attend, held only a few days before the opening ceremony instead of months before, the Olympic torch relay began, dramatically scaled down, organizers say, over COVID concerns. It will pass the Great Wall and the Summer Palace, making its way to the mountains, where today U.S. snowboarders got a chance to check out the course. I thought it was going to ride completely different, um, so there's a lot of adjusting. Nearly all of the snow is man-made. It's not quite ideal, but I would say we're all making the most of it. You definitely don't want to fall. All of the athletes here are following strict COVID protocols. A daily PCR test raises the fear they could be pulled from the games at any moment. Already Austrian ski jumper Marita Kramer, a gold medal favorite, is out. And there have been outbreaks among Norwegian cross-country skiers, Russian bobsledders, and Danish hockey players. Hi, everybody. A Belgian um, skeleton racer posting this emotional video about the psychological toll of isolation. And obviously this is very hard for me. Hours ago, she was released. But Team USA bobsledder Alana Myers-Taylor is still in isolation. Today it was announced she was supposed to be one of the flag bearers at the opening ceremony. Instead, speed skater Brittany Bowe will take her place. I can't think of a more incredible person to be able to walk in my space. She will be joined by curler John Schuster. Coming into this Olympics, I have a, have a ton of gratitude and just wanted to, you know, I, I'm just honored. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, Beijing. And you can watch the opening ceremony Friday at 6.30 a.m. on a special edition of the Today Show and on Peacock. And if you miss it, you can watch a special presentation of the ceremony after Top Story at 8 p.m. When we come back, a calendar that can help you travel back in time. It was shot in the 1980s, but it is now going viral decades later. Why it's bringing a smile to women generations apart.
Finally tonight, there's a lot of nostalgia right now, right, for the 80s and 90s. So maybe it wasn't so surprising that an old-fashioned wall calendar from 1988 went viral on Twitter, striking a chord with women in 2022. It was a long-ago project rediscovered this Christmas when Marilyn Cole's grown son, Andrew, was home for a visit. He posted images on Twitter. The response? Overwhelming. And it was amazing. The positive feedback just was incredible. It took my breath away. The whole thing was born out of Marilyn's frustration with what most calendars celebrated back in the 80s. It's got action. Nobody that we knew wanted to look at guys in tearaway pants and little bow ties. And after seeing a segment advertising a pinup calendar on television. And they did this whole segment on male dancer calendars. And I just burst out laughing and said to my sister Julie, that is so not anything, you know, that I would be interested in. That is not my idea of a fantasy or what I want to look at. So in response to what she saw as the obvious opportunity in the lucrative 1988 calendar market. And I said, really, what I'd like to see is a calendar of men cleaning the toilet and scrubbing the kitchen and doing dishes. The sisters got to work making their own calendar. This is the original 1988 Every Woman's Fantasy calendar. The tagline, real men doing what real women wish they'd do. We really wanted some everyday good-looking guys. This is Mr. January, who we met in a park, actually, and uh, he was delighted to be invited to be in our calendar. Not one guy was ever insulted when he was asked to be a calendar model. Not one. They auditioned models for very specific shots. They had to stand there with the iron and just flex into that, you know, come on, we want to see more arms, you know, give us that look. The calendar shoot itself featured not only real men, but real household items. Everything you see here is either Julie's laundry or my laundry or my kids' laundry. One of the things I hated most doing was sorting socks, little kids' socks. So he's sorting the socks for us. Don't we all want somebody to do that? In a time before social media, getting the word out about their great idea proved to be a challenge. But with her son's post on Twitter, they found a whole new audience. All people in a relationship want a partner who wants to be an equal helper. And I think that's really one of the things that came across so clearly in this going viral. The family now taking online pre-orders for a reprint of the calendar for 2022. The the chores that are being done, the attitude of the guys in the pictures, I think those are all pretty timeless. And, and I think that's why people would really like to have this calendar again. All right, you can order the calendar online for 2022. They're also planning on putting out a new one and shooting a new one for 2023. Thanks so much for watching Top Story. I'm Kate Snow in New York. Have a great night. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.